Today, we're focusing on the third and final part of the Songs of the Bible. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Just a heads up, I'm not planning on covering two of the song books in the Bible, neither the 150 songs in the book of Psalms, nor the Song of Songs, a lengthy song composed by King Solomon. But at the end of this podcast, I'm going to suggest a great resource that will help you dig deeper into this epic love song between a husband and wife. Our first song today is called Jehoshaphat's Battle Song. But when you hear the words of this song, you're not going to think of it as a battle song. Okay, Jehoshaphat was one of the kings of Judah. And for the most part, he was a good and faithful king who loved and served the Lord. He was the great, great, great grandson of King David. He ruled between 870 and 849 BC. Jehoshaphat and all of Judah were facing a grave threat. There was a massive army, an alliance between the countries of Moab and Amnon, on the march to invade Judah and wage war against God's people. So Jehoshaphat stands before the temple in Jerusalem and prays to the Lord. It's a beautiful prayer. You can read or listen to it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Following this prayer, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the Levites who served in the temple. His name was Jehaziel. He was a descendant of Asaph, who we learned about in part two of Songs. Here's what Jehaziel said. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. The next morning, Jehoshaphat led his army to where the Lord told him to go. In front of the army, Jehoshaphat appointed a group of men to sing to the Lord as they were headed to a battle they would never have to fight. Here's their short song. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. I told you that it doesn't sound like a battle song. This short song of praise is also a refrain that is included in other songs, specifically those in the Psalms. Psalm 18, or 118 is a good example. Psalm 118 begins and ends with this very refrain. By the way, once the army got to the place that overlooked the desert where the enemy army was, they saw the entire army lying dead on the desert floor. 
the battle was the Lord's, and he accomplished a total victory over Judah's enemies. I should let you know that all but one of the remaining songs in the Old Testament, a total of 12, recorded by various prophets, that all of them, except for one, are somber laments. These 11 have something in common. When people and nations do not follow the Lord God, the outcome is never good or pleasant. And that's a critical lesson for you and me to learn from each of these songs. The first prophet with the song was Amos. He was a prophet for about 10 years in the northern nation of Israel. He was called by God from caring for his sheep in a town located south of Jerusalem to delivering a message to the nation of Israel. This was during the reign of the wicked King Jeroboam II. Now, his reign was marked by great economic prosperity, but there was a problem. The rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. Social injustice was a serious problem. Amos was called by the Lord to address it. Amos's lament is rather short, but quite harsh. In this song, Amos predicts the total destruction of Israel as a nation. Here it is. Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land, with no one to lift her up. Our next three songs are recorded by Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was the Lord's mouthpiece in Judah during the reigns of four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He was a prophet from 760 B.C. to 681 B.C. Do the math. He served as a prophet for 79 years. The first of Isaiah's songs is actually a metaphor involving a vineyard that represented the nation of Israel, with the vines in that vineyard representing Judah. Listen to the opening and closing lines of this song. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Well, that's the metaphor. Here's the meaning at the end of the song. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. In between the opening and closing stanzas, we learn what the Lord was intending to do to the vineyard. He was going to break down the walls and have the vines trampled. The meaning is quite obvious. The nation of Israel would be destroyed and Judah would be overrun. Now, this was a tough message that Isaiah had to deliver to God's people. But they had abandoned the Lord and produced no fruits of their faith. Isaiah's second song, called the Song of the Prostitute, is tucked into a larger prophecy about the future of Tyre 
a seacoast city located northwest of Israel. The city of Tyre was known for its ships and its trade, especially trading lumber. This is what Isaiah wrote. At that time, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the span of a king's life. But at the end of these 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as the song of the prostitute. Take up a harp, walk through the city, you forgotten prostitute. Play the harp well, sing many a song, so that you will be remembered. The 70 years seem to coincide with Judah's 70-year-long Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians had plundered Tyre and destroyed the city's harbors and fortresses. After the 70 years were over, the city of Tyre would resume its trade with other countries. But the prophets, Isaiah tells us, would be used to serve God's people. One example of this is when God's people returned from captivity and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Guess where they got the lumber from? From Tyre. The third of Isaiah's songs is the lone upbeat one, recorded in chapter 26. It looks forward to the day when Judah would return from captivity in Babylon. Now, it's a longer song of praise, and this is how it begins. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. Our next song is an entire book of the Bible, the Book of Lamentations. It was composed by the prophet Jeremiah after Jerusalem had fallen to the Babylonians. Jeremiah mourned the destruction of Jerusalem and the deportation of God's people. Now, this song is really five separate songs. We'd call them dirges or laments, i.e. mournful songs. The first four dirges are written as acrostics using the Hebrew alphabet. We talked about acrostic poems in part one of songs, and... It's a case of where each line of the song begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Here's how Lamentations begins. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Not the happiest of songs, is it? A contemporary uh, prophet of Jeremiah was Habakkuk. Habakkuk was called by the Lord to address the violence and the injustice that occurred in Judah. The book of Habakkuk is only three chapters long. In the first two chapters, there is a back-and-forth dialogue between Habakkuk and the Lord. And the content is about what the Lord is going to do with Judah, namely to bring about the Babylonian overthrow of Judah, and the resulting captivity. Then in the third chapter, Habakkuk offers a heartfelt song that praises God and begs for his mercy. Here it is. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Did you catch Habakkuk's plea? 
in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk was appealing to the mercy of God. Next, in the book of Ezekiel, we find six songs mentioned. Ezekiel was a prophet who was among the captives taken to Babylon in the year 597 B.C. The Lord told Ezekiel to compose a lament for the rulers of Judah. He described the rulers of Judah as lions. Now, why is that? Well, remember when Jacob blessed his 12 sons? He described Judah as a lion. The nation of Judah had been a strong lion for many years, but no more. Here's the opening stanzas of this song. Then the nations came against him, those from regions round about. They spread their net for him, and he was trapped in their pit. With hooks they pulled him into a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. They put him in prison, so his roar was heard no longer on the mountains of Israel. That's pretty descriptive. This song described Jehoiakim, who was the king of Judah at the time. Jehoiakim was hauled off to Babylon at the very same time as Ezekiel. With the deportation, the Lion of Judah would no longer roar. The next four songs of Ezekiel are about the city of Tyre, and they're recorded in chapters 26, 27, and 28. The first of the three is an international lament when the city was destroyed by the Babylonians. Here's their song. How you are destroyed, city of renown, peopled by men of the sea. You were a power on the seas, you were you and your citizens. You put your terror on all who live there. Now the coastlines tremble on the day of your fall. The islands in the sea are terrified at your collapse. Ezekiel's second song about Tyre is even more detailed, contrasting the city's wealth, its beauty, its power, its army, and they're contrasted with the city's destruction. Here you go. Your wealth, merchandise, and wares, your mariners, sailors, and shipwrights, your merchants and all your soldiers, and everyone else on board will sink into the heart of the sea on the day of your shipwreck. Then at the end of Ezekiel's lengthy song, Ezekiel refers to a song of the sailors and their lament for Tyre. Now you are shattered by the sea in the depths of the waters. Your wares and all your company have gone down with you. All who live in the coastlands are appalled at you. Their kings shudder with horror and their faces are distorted with fear. The merchants among the nations scoff at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. The final song about Tyre is another lament for its king. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you. And I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. 
so much for Tyre and its king. Ezekiel's last song is also a lament, this time for Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. For centuries, Egypt had been a dominant power in the world. Now God was going to bring them down. This occurred about 50 years after Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. Here's the song. The sword of the king of Babylon will come against you. I will cause your hordes to fall by the swords of mighty men, the most ruthless of all nations. They will shatter the pride of Egypt, and all her hordes will be overthrown. I will destroy all her cattle from beside abundant waters, no longer to be stirred by the foot of man or muddied by the hooves of cattle. Then I will let her waters settle and make her streams flow like oil, declares the Sovereign Lord. When I make Egypt desolate and strip the land of everything in it, when I strike down all who live there, then they will know that I am the Lord. What Ezekiel was predicting in this song was the Battle of Carchemish in 609 B.C. In that battle, the alliance of the Babylonians, Medes, and Persians completely destroyed Pharaoh Necho's army, which was fighting with a remnant of Assyrians. This was another example of the Lord being control of nations and armies and accomplishing his will. Well, that brings us to the New Testament. There are just two songs in the New Testament, and they're both in the book of Revelation. Okay, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, what about the song of Zechariah? Or what about the beautiful song of Mary in Luke chapter 1? Or the song of Simeon in Luke chapter 2? Let me explain. All of the songs that we've considered in these three episodes are identified as songs or laments in the biblical text. Zechariah and Mary and Simeon spoke what we call their songs. Now, I think it's great that composers over the years have put to music the testimonies of these three spirit-filled people. You know, the Christian church has been singing their, quote, songs, unquote, for centuries. Now to Revelation. In one of the revelations or visions that the Apostle John saw was a scene in God's heavenly throne room. God the Father was sitting on the throne holding a scroll with writing on both sides of the scroll, and that scroll was sealed with seven seals. And as people looked around, there was no one worthy to open the scroll, at least not until the Lamb, Jesus, appeared in the throne room. He was worthy. He took the scroll from the right hand of his father, and then all those gathered around, each one holding a harp and a bowl of incense, which were the prayers of the saints, and they started singing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they reign on the earth. 
Then there were angels who joined in. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then every creature in heaven and on earth said, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. I can't wait to sing that song one day, standing around the throne of heaven. What about you? Let's get to the last song. Recall in part one of songs, I mentioned that there was a Bible thread connecting the first song in the Bible, called the Song of Moses and Miriam, with the last song in the Bible, entitled the Song of Moses and the Lamb. This was a thread thousands of years in the making. The two songs have different words, but the message is exactly the same. And the message is this. The Lord has conquered the enemy, and he deserves praise. The enemy defeated in the first song of Moses was Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. The enemy defeated in this last song is Satan and all of his evil cohorts. Here's that beautiful song of Moses and the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Wow. One last thought. There are other examples of songs being sung on the pages of the Bible. We just don't know the lyrics to them. For example, we know that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. Seriously. We know that from 1 Kings chapter 4. Or another example was when Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn in the upper room after Jesus instituted uh, the Last Supper. Or Paul and Silas, when they were in prison in Philippi, they sang hymns to God in the middle of the night. And there are also a few more examples in the Bible as well. Songs. They're one of the Bible's storylines. If you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. And if you want to learn more about King Solomon's Song of Songs, I've got a recommendation for you. In August, Time of Grace is offering a book written by Pastor Mike Novotny entitled, Sex is Complicated. It's a book based upon Solomon's Song of Songs, that epic story between a husband and wife. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for a look at stars in our Bible Thread series entitled, Storylines. God bless.